0: The bulletin. Love talking to this bloke. We've got Nigel Yeldon on the Bulletin this morning and I love his forthright opinions and he'll have some good ones on the subjects today. And a couple of, I guess, personal issues to talk about first of all. Uh, Nigel, good morning to you. Owen Farrell stepping back from the game. Probably, I would say, one of the most detested rugby players around the world outside England. Uh, And it's finally getting to him by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah it does and I mean look, whether you like the bloke or dislike the bloke or dislike the person whatever way you want to look at it you know for, for him to be able to say hey look I want to step away I want to concentrate on this um, and get myself right you, you've, you've got to respect it and yes I'm sure there are going to be people who are going to be looking at uh, the reasons for this. Um, look I've uh, doing games at the Rugby World Cup, Smithy you know I, was, I, I mm. heard um, during the the, um, you know, some of the games, you heard him constantly at the referees, and unfortunately that is audio that people do hear going all around the world, and that's part of the reason why he does at times. Whilst I, I believe he is trying to do it for the betterment of his team, it does come across and can be interpreted as petulance. Um, and so some of the stuff that he has been criticised for, Um, I think he has bought on himself, but there is also a bucket load of stuff that, as we are seeing in sport, far far too common nowadays, Smithy. I think there are things that it's just him trying to be a rugby player, trying to be a leader, trying to be a captain that he is criticised for unnecessarily. So I respect Owen for for doing this and being able to step away. We are seeing other players do it in different forms, um, wanting to maybe go away. You know, we use the sabbatical here in... New Zealand to, to try and get away he's just decided he wants to step away and spend time with his family and look leading that particular country given how um, passionate and at times vitriolic some of their fans can be it, it's no different to a lot of those top rugby um, fans around the world um, I, I can understand him in doing it um, but yeah it's uh, I think it's an interesting one for for him to be able to, for him to do it because for a long time he has been you know, you know as you Point out, you know, he's he has been one of the guys who I guess mentally we have looked at as being a very very strong individual given all the criticism mm. that has been levelled at it. So maybe we should also just maybe look at that and maybe just take a step back and go, okay, hang hang on a touch here.
0: An interesting story developing at home as well. I, I agree totally You know, it's also the tackling, isn't it? The tackling method of Owen Farrell, which oh, yeah, burned him yeah. Oh, somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. This Chloe Knott story, um, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the women's phoenix are hitting a golden patch and Chloe Knott's very much part of that. And now we're hearing uh, she does no longer want to be part of it for financial reasons, but for also reasons about uh, the direction the club's going and she's not going, etc. I can't, I'm, I'm finding it a bit tough to get my head around this one.
1: Yeah, it was a fascinating one. I was um, on the uh, the, the uh, Zoom call that Paul Temple did yesterday afternoon, and, and Chloe at that time was not on that uh, was not on that call, um, and and so you know a, a lot of the stuff that I I found was uh, came off that particular call that that I was part of. But but you're quite right. You know, this is a, a young lady who has been part of every single. Women's Phoenix game since they started mm. she's been involved in every single one of them and for her to now have that situation where she's saying, look I can't do the full-time work to be able to be a part-time footballer she's talking about the financial obligations and Paul outlined that you know she's, she's from Auckland but she's in Wellington her partner is up in Auckland so there's that dynamic as well that, that's got to be challenging too um, but it, but it is a, a concern. I, there was no talk, obviously, uh, on that particular call with regards to club direction and that sort of a thing. But you know, to me, it, it it highlighted again what these female athletes in this footballing space are doing, not only at the Phoenix but on the other side of the Tasman as well. And, and my immediate thought listening to it was, look, here's a, a lady who's um, 27 years of age, um, so she's not one of the younger ones uh, by any stretch of the imagination, and if someone who's got this experience, this level of intelligence as well, she's a very, very bright young lady. If she's having this battle and having to make this decision, are there other similar decisions being made not only in New Zealand but maybe uh, in Australia as well when it comes to the A-League? And one of the things I was sitting there as I listened to Paul Temple, who spoke very, very well, Smitty, I was saying, I think was, is is this particular league going to be sustainable if someone like this is having to step away so early into her A-League career?
0: It's an interesting one because we have seen this. Um, this has always been headline of women's football, hasn't it? Nights um, with the United States women's football team and Megan Rapinoe probably to the fore in that, but a number of other players who have stood up for women's football rights to the effect that I think now they're even more uh, are highly paid. I think Abby Wambach is another one. Highly paid than the, than the, men's, the men's equivalent over there. So is this, the, is this the forerunner? Is this the first sign of it here in New Zealand?
1: It's an interesting one. You use the U.S. women's national team. They are far more prominent than the men's national team and and were for a long period of time. I think it's odd that the men are actually now starting to get a little bit more media traction than what the women did because they were world champions. They were absolutely to the fore in their particular sport, whereas the United States men I mean, have they, I think have they qualified for a quarterfinal once maybe in their, car- in, in their career, I stand to be corrected on that. So I think that's what was always interesting about that situation in the US. Now, when you look at the New Zealand women's team, um, I think obviously they've had the, the wonderful promotion and uh, the, the wonderful stage of a World Cup on which to perform, obviously got everybody fired up with that opening round win. Then obviously the disappointment of not being able to make it to that next stage and get into the knockout stages. So I think I understand when you talk about the US, I think it's a very different circumstance to what we are seeing from a New Zealand point of view because the profile is improving and will continue to improve. What's the one thing that women's sport has been missing, Smithy? It's been investment and that's for a very long time. Now we are starting to see investment. That investment, I believe, will continue to grow as they get the opportunities, they will get, the, the sport will obviously improve, it's already at a very good level in my own personal opinion now, but there is when other businesses will then want to get involved and the money will flow through, so uh, I, I get what you mean with the US side of things, but I think that's a very different situation to what we're seeing with regards to this part of the world.
0: OK, cool. Uh, we really need to talk uh, about the Black Caps because the Black Caps really need to get their act together. They're under severe pressure in this, this test match, uh, Nigel. We, we don't want to be losing the first test match of our test championship campaign to Bangladesh. But it's, at this point, it's on the cards.
1: Can I just say the irony of you, and David Stockley-Smith, asking me about cricket is not lost on me in any way, shape or form. Can I just get that on the record? you <laughs> one of the best commentators we've got. You're a former international and you're asking me who played senior reserve for about three years about this. So uh, I just yes, want that but... irony put definitely on the record. You're right though. This... You're right. Yep. They've, yeah. they've got to get a wriggle on. but what I think is interesting and, and Luke ronkey made this point in his post I think it was day two comments about look there were a lot of New Zealand batsmen who got in and got the start who were the batsmen who showed how to bat well we've seen it with Kane Williamson and we've seen it with Shanto as well I think both scoring 104 Um, Williamson just over 200 deliveries. Shanto's doing it on just under 200 deliveries but it's the way they've gone about their work they've been very patient and that's what the New Zealand batsmen, when they get the opportunity to chase whatever score it is Bangladesh put on, they're going to have to be just a little bit more patient than what they were in that first innings. You know, I, I think the, the seeds were there. We obviously saw it with the wonderful Kane Williamson, Test Match 129. That's the way they're going to need to play. So I think some of those players have just got to temper what they normally want to do just slightly. I think you saw it with Tim Southey and Kyle Jamison in getting New Zealand past that first innings total of of 310. They were a little bit more circumspect and patient than what we normally see those two players like to play with, with bat in hand. I think there are other players who are going to need to do that. There are players who we know can bat for long periods of time with patience. Latham, Conway, Williamson... Um, Daryl Mitchell can do it as well We know Tom Blundell can do it There are scrappers, there are fighters So if there's a target there It's just going to be a case of patience Playing What's the cliche, Smithy? You, you, you know this You play what's in front of you You play every ball on its yeah. merit And if you do that, Correct. you give yourself the opportunity
0: yeah, Absolutely just, um, just finally You mentioned most of the batsmen there But you didn't mention Ravindra
1: <laughs> well, I think you've been very forthright with your opinions with regards to this, uh, Smithy. Do I really need to come in over the top for you, off the top, right?
0: <laughs> I need that senior reserve opinion. I nearly do. <laughs> yeah,
1: look, I, I am surprised. I mean, look, he—he, um, he, I mean, what, what he did at the World Cup. You were there. You saw it. I mean, what a what a breakout. <laughs> that, you know. There's so much. A lot of people have been saying for a long period of time what an absolute star this young man is going to be, and we saw that now really come to fruition on that world stage. I think he would have been a great option. I think he would have been a neat bowling option as well on uh, this particular surface too, again, providing maybe a little extra uh, depth if you're going to slot him in there somewhere. I will ask you this question, though, uh, Smithy, as as I depart the, the scene here. Do we need to see a little bit of Kane Williamson at the bowling crease, or has that ship well and truly passed?
0: That ship has sailed, mate. That is on one of uh, our America's Cup trial boats on its foils, <laughs> and it has disappeared down at the greatest rate of knots. So uh, you won't see Kane Williamson at the bowling crease, uh, I don't think, um, ever again. Um, so, Nigel. Thank you very much for your uh, opinions across the board. They're really interested in those uh, social issues as well. Cheers, man. Have a terrific weekend. It's been great catching up.
1: Thank, thanks, man. They always appreciate it, brother. Thank you.